Podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, Randall, the great episodes we've had in the Paracast, in recent months especially, just terrific guests covering a wide range of subjects from ghost hunting to UFOs and just about anything in between. Even a little tab of Bigfoot. Last week, for example, we had Jerry Clark, who's the UFO historian and a longtime friend. I've known him for over five decades. And pretty soon we'll get it right. But he's cool. He's a really great guy. He's also a songwriter, by the way, but we have that in the credits. But he has a great perspective about what's going on. Chris Rutkowski is one of Canada's treasures. And not because he does a terrific imitation of Ming the Merciless, the Max Van Sydow version from Flash Gordon, which we're going to use as a bumper, by the way, but now you know where that comes from. He is just a really knowledgeable, realistic guy. And so it was nice to have them on the main episode of the Paracast and on After the Paracast, which, of course, is the program that only comes to members of the Paracast Plus. Yeah, they worked together really well on that show. Uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to go at first, but I remember at one point when we were talking to Jerry that I had brought up Michael Persinger, who, of, of course, is the uh, Canadian professor of psychology at Laurentian University, no longer with us, unfortunately. But Jerry had said that he had been discredited. And I'd heard this a couple of times from uh, him and other people. So I decided to just double check my research on him, thinking that I, that seems to be a bit of a, a stretch. Michael Persinger was an American-Canadian professor of psychology at Laurentian University, and he held that position from 1971 until his death in 2018. He was not discredited in his field by any stretch of the imagination. Perhaps there's been some criticism about his idea that earthlights and geological forces create electromagnetic fields that disrupt people's brain patterns. That is somewhat controversial. However, his experiments with his god helmet are indisputable. Uh, they're done under laboratory conditions. He lectured about them at his university, and there is simply no way that he's been discredited for that particular research. We're on step two. I want to go back to step one. What, pray tell, is a god helmet? Well, what he did is he created um, a headset that would transmit specific frequencies of, of EM fields through the subject's uh, brain. And at specific frequencies, these would cause the subject to experience paranormal phenomena, visions, ghostly apparitions, feelings of being watched, all of the things that we associate with paranormal phenomena. So that is un indisputable when we get to looking at his actual research in his laboratory conditions. So uh, I think maybe Jerome was just a little bit too quick to write him off. The only kind of discrediting that I was, I've been able to find are people who have been critical of the idea that you can extend this idea of the EM fields out from laboratory conditions into nature. Well, we don't know for sure because not enough research has been done in that area. But we do know 
that things like earthquakes and uh, geological forces do produce EM fields. And it seems that animals are very sensitive to them. Uh, for example, in California, they even use uh, dogs as a sign when they get agitated in a certain way. They know when an earthquake is coming. So I don't think he's been as discredited as Jerome would have us believe. Also, Jerry was dismissive of the collective unconscious concept from the late Carl Jung. Right. And, and that is more reasonable when you think about it. It's an interesting concept, but not one that you can test in laboratory conditions, whereas Persinger did test out his theories in laboratory conditions and essentially proved that EM fields do uh, influence our perceptual view of the world. So really, really interesting character. So for anyone who is interested in, in that sort of thing, what sort of uh, influences on the brain EM fields can cause. And of course, we had Brian Bonner on talking about some of that as well, where he was interviewing people who had witnessed strange events. And it turned out that there was things like cell towers right outside the wall of their apartment building. And as soon as they moved and went to another location, it all went away. Pretty interesting stuff. Gary Voorhees is our guest, and we're really in the weeds of UFO field and paranormal. Have you ever heard of any of the stuff we're talking about uh yeah um actually i'm familiar with uh, a lot of research using beta waves to uh, use technology move programs uh actually basically you put this little head headset on and you can control computer programming with it right yeah and that has come a long way too i remember years ago when they were just getting started but now those headsets that used to be really quite complex are very small now they're almost like a gaming headset yeah it's it's pretty amazing is how far they've come i've seen a couple of ted talks of some of the more cutting edge ones and uh they are uh hard to hate to go mainstream but i mean it's it's an amazing tech and i think that it uh Tying it in back with you know ufology and stuff like that, I I could imagine you know these advanced spaceships being literally piloted by thought. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would imagine that even uh, the military has probably looked into uh, applications for that. I don't know how well it's been instituted. We should maybe get into your background. Tell us a, a, about your background in the military and what it is that you do and how you how you're able to inter interact with it along with your interest in the paranormal and ufology. Like, By the way, Gary, you can take your time with the response. Okay. Cause we have plenty of time. Go ahead, please. All right. Uh, so ufology itself, uh, you know, actually getting into the, the meat and potatoes of it. I never really did until after, uh, 2017 when I uh, when this uh, whole uh, event with the Nimitz had kind of blown up. Prior to that, uh, we'll just call me a skeptical believer of just about everything until I see some, you know, hard evidence on it or, you know, some something something to back it up scientifically. Um, not to say that I don't believe in spirituality. I just, you know, kind of in the in the day to day grind, I kind of want to see the uh, the science behind it before I move on to spirituality but um uh, so i was a fire controlman in the navy uh during the 2004 uh nimitz event and uh i, I ran uh, the aegis computer suite i was an aegis computer technician um that's uh, all of the mainframe computers that run the aegis weapon system for 
Uh, and what the Aegis weapon system is, is it's a platform system that incorporates uh, the missiles on board, uh, short, short range and long range missiles, uh, all of the sensor data, including the Spy 1 Bravo, Link 16, uh, all these different uh, transmitters and receivers and carrier waves and stuff like that. All that stuff runs through the Aegis system. Um, all, most of the communications do. Um, so all my data, I, I was in charge of the primary data recording for those systems, and I was also in charge of an experimental system that we were literally the first battle group to have, which was uh, called CEC, or Cooperative Engagement Capability. We're going to have to break um, in a moment, Gary, but I wanted to ask you before we go on with that. Do you have a computer science background? Um, well, my background's in, in engineering. Um, I... Uh, I, I've never finished my degree in it. I went, I went to college and then went to went and then stopped going because uh, I'll be dead honest with you. You go to college just to kind of learn what everybody already knows. So I just went ahead and studied my on my own and continued my career and uh, worked in uh, a tele. I work for a telecom now, uh, doing uh, repair work for them. Gary Voorhees is joining us, and a little bit later, well, not too much later, we'll talk about the Tic Tac UFO events with. Gary, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625 800-503-8625 age-related macular degeneration is a leading cause of blindness in people over 55 but with treatment it can be slowed down stopped and in some cases reversed make sure you see your grandchildren grow protect your vision by requesting information about diagnosing and treating amd call the foundation fighting blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reverse or managing AMD or go to the website fightblindness.org where I found so much helpful information or again call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So Gary Voorhees telling us about his work, the work he did, and his background and You were talking here about some new development there. I trust that this is not top secret at this point, is it? Um, I'd never discuss anything that's actually top secret. When it comes down to it, I'm I'm not a a whistleblower per se. I'm just, uh, you know, I was a a witness to an event that I don't have the, you know, I never signed anything. I have no non-disclosure about talking about the event itself. The only thing that ends up being classified is just like the capabilities and specifically how these systems work in nitty gritty detail, which is why some people get a little frustrated when they start asking certain questions, because I will be like, well, you know, um, we're not going to go ahead and discuss that portion of it, but we can say that it, it can or can't do something. But, you know, I find try to find ways to satisfy people's questions without having to divulge any type of TS information. You are a civilian employee then. You weren't in the military, were you? No, I was directly in the military, uh, fire controlman, third class. Uh, I just happened to be in a situation where I didn't have many superiors at the time. My work center was uh, being dismantled because they were bringing in a new ages platform. So the old billets were not being refilled as people left. We were waiting on the new billets with the new systems to come in. So I just ended up being the only computer tech left on the ship. <laughs> now, so we should 
perhaps elaborate a little bit about what was going on with that. Now, first of all, the incident that, that we'll be talking about in some detail, that actually happened uh, back in 2004. From If I've got my information right, and of course, feel free to correct me along the way, because uh, my knowledge of it is is just from what I've read out there. And it, this is an opportunity to correct any misperceptions that might happen. But uh, this was during a two-week training exercise, some 90 miles or so off the uh, San Diego, California, just off the coast there, uh, in what's called a naval operations area. What is a naval operations area? Uh, so it'd be a, a flight area and a surface area, meaning in the ocean, where they've designated it for a training ground for the Navy. When we go into the shipyards or when we're getting ready to go on deployment, we have to actually check a lot of systems and we have to make sure things are working properly. And it's our way. It's kind of a proving ground for everything, too. So like our ship, we had just got refitted with a whole new set of systems. And so this was you know, basically, you know, tying up the knots and working out the bugs and, you know, beating the heck out of it, trying to see if it'll break. Do these naval operations areas, do they move around or are they designated for a specific time or are they sort of always there and people have to be careful not to fly into them or or drive their ships through them? Is it a designated area like, say, you know, like Area 51 or whatever? Well, I know that the particular area stays the same. I don't really know any of the actual rules about, you know, civilians entering that area, but I know they do. Um, I think it's mostly just uh, if there's operations going on, then you know, there'll be, re, you know, flights will be redirected around it or, you know, things like things of that nature. Um, but I know, like, there's certain there's certain islands we shoot at. And so in those islands, those would be, uh, you know, very very protected we would have people you know sitting on the edges of those areas so that nobody actually gets hurt you know it's a safety thing so it's not a really trying to keep anybody out but uh, oh, right yeah and of course you guys would know because that's your job you were on the princeton if i've got the info correct right yep the uss princeton it's a guided missile cruiser aegis class and its role is mainly detection and securing the airspace is my understanding does it also carry weapons itself or is it more a support uh, ship? Yeah, well shy of uh the nuclear miss- ballistic missile uh subs it's probably one of the most heavily armed ships in the navy uh, if oh. you don't carry if you don't ca- count the uh aircraft on the aircraft carrier okay so um, th- thanks for helping us clear that up because out here uh we we we're not in the military and we, we know that these ships exist, but we don't know a lot about them necessarily. So this really helps us to get a picture of what kind of environment you were in. That's really interesting then. So uh, because it had been my understanding up until then, this is mainly a, a technical ship where you're telling everyone else what to do. But we're talking about some serious armament on it as well. Very interesting. Yeah, basically, it's uh, it would act as flight guard for the carrier while it was trying to do flight operations. Because during flight operations, I mean, it's almost defenseless because it it can't shoot anything down separately from where you know it's it's launching planes. So obviously, it can't shoot any shoot at anything. You know, so while that happens, you know, we're protecting them. And during flight operations, when they're doing certain types of uh, 
engagements, uh, we take over the flight, the flight control and, you know, assign targets and, you know, do that stuff because Spy One Bravo has the unique ability of tracking, you know, a, a quite a few uh, targets at one time without ever having to break a target like uh, a rotating uh, radar would have to do or the illuminators that we use for shooting short range missiles you know they can only paint one target at a time well spy can paint uh, well quite a few <laughs> right there's several different systems and they all work together and now are they do they are all of the is all of the information from those systems displayed on us onto single screens for the people who are monitoring them or do you have different screens and say different departments type of thing where you'll have or, uh, where people are looking at different uh input from different systems well if you've ever if you've ever seen like a, a naval uh you know a movie or something like that and they're showing you combat central where you know everybody's in there making all the decisions and everything like that usually you'll have the the big screens up in the front and those are going to be like the general uh you know situation you know uh one one screen will probably be like uh, all of our friendlies the other screen might be you know what we're tracking in another spot but you know they can change that information as needed too so everything's modular with the with those big screens and then everything on the smaller screens is broken up so like the spy the spy uh you know radar would be a technician sitting at a specific station for just the spy radar the 49 which is a different type of radar you know there'll be a guy sitting right in front of that station and then so after that everything's compartmentalized and broken down and then the the usually the officer that's running everything will have a, a heads-up display that's connected to cec which will actually be connected to every ship in the network that has the cc capabilities all of their sensors will be combined to make one picture and that would be displayed on one screen too we're going to break now we got more questions we're looking into the background of gary Voorhees before we understand the ufo incident that of course has garnered wide attention around the world we want to know the guy that we're talking to, obviously somebody really, really technically knowledgeable, which we appreciate. A reminder here that we also have after the Paracast, which is available with the Paracast Plus. Go to the Paracast Plus for more information. Gary, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. 
This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Speaker Nancy Pelosi plans to send two articles of impeachment to the Senate next week. In a letter to House colleagues, Pelosi says she's instructed Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler to prepare a resolution to appoint House managers for the Senate impeachment trial. When it comes to a lengthy impeachment trial in the Senate, Susan Crabtree with Real Clear Politics reminds everyone. Timing is really uh, concerning for both Republicans and Democrats, a little bit more burdensome for Democrats. She has said that she can walk and chew gum at the same time, but she has several Democratic senators running for president, as you know, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, Bernie Sanders, and they're in the fight of their lives. At least 11 people, including a firefighter and police officer, are dead because of the severe weather this weekend across the South. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-280-2144-800-280-2144-800-280-2144. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-2144. If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call. 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exactly according to my plan. So Randall is going to ask Gary Voorhees a question. Uh, let's continue with that. So the Princeton then would be a- acting as sort of the nerve center of the operation. 
uh, the detection and nerve center of this this entire exercise. I think it primarily yes, and then you know the, the kind of one of the amazing things about the newer systems that we had is that should you know like say God forbid we get sunk, you know another ship can just pick it up instantaneously. It doesn't really matter who ends up being it; it's just they have to have the same capabilities as our ship, and that's it. Were there other ships there as well as the Princeton with the same capabilities? Um, well, during this particular exercise, it. We had a sub, us, the carrier, and uh, air support. And then the rest of the ships that were participating were actually sitting dockside. Um, we do have a way of simulating to those ships. Uh, they're not inputting data to us, but we can input data to them, and they can participate in the event. Very interesting. Oh, okay, so uh, you are the technician that manages all of this and makes sure that it's working properly. You make it sound pretty awesome, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, it does sound set, awesome. Set it, it, it's kind of a set it and forget it kind of situation. Once it's, uh, like with the uh, CEC system, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, you load everything up, you bring it online, make sure, uh, you know, you talk with comms on all the other set nodes, make sure all the nodes are up and running. And then once it's done, it, I mean, it ended up working flawlessly. They did them. Well, magnificent job on that system it, it sounds like a you know a tech support geeks dream job really i mean you know i've done a bit of t pc repair you know people's homes but this sounds absolutely amazing so if you didn't have any interest in ufos at the time i mean you were saying you didn't really get in, interested in it until 2017 but this incident happened in 2004 so did i mean when it happened did you just forget about it I wouldn't say I forgot about it. It was it was more of a situation where this specific event I've thought about a lot, but actual UFOs, you know, I wasn't going out and looking for them or anything like that. You know, for a lot of guys, some of the guys in my group, you know, it was a spiritual kind of thing. They got very affected by the whole situation. Um, some other guys were just, you know, absolutely just amazed by it. And then for me, I was just really interested in how it worked. Uh, I mean, how that technology could possibly exist. Is it our technology? Is it not our technology? You know, how is this uh, whole situation? How did it, how did this end up being able to happen? Yeah, absolutely. And as a ufologist, that's exactly what I'm wondering. And there is some speculation out there that perhaps it, it could be something that it is ours, but what we ought to do first is is go back then and just cover some of the basic events that took place. I and mean, we don't have to go into it in super great detail, but uh, let's start with sort of what happened on the first day kind of thing when these uh, objects started showing up on your systems. So on the first day, we, we didn't really take it all that serious. You know, we were out there testing these systems. Uh, Spy One Bravo wasn't like uh, it wasn't a new system at that point. So, I mean, but it was something that we knew could have, you know, if it needed to be calibrated, we could see clutter, we could see false tracks, but generally they, they were kind of faint and they kind of go in and out. They don't really, they, they don't, they don't feel like a nice solid track. And when I say feel, when you're looking at the screen, you know, you'll actually see the track kind of fade out a little bit. It won't be as bright. It won't be as uh, it won't be as a strong, like when you're using a metal detector and you're running it over the ground and you hit, and then you kind of get near a piece of metal and it's kind of kind of doing that little that little kind of noise and then all of a sudden you get it right over the top and it's just you know loud as heck. Well, think of that, but 
with light and you'll be able to see the track more solid it is. So, you know, we did eventually get, uh, you know, we have to actually have permission to take down that system. So we got permission to take it down. We took the, ne- the amount of time necessary to recalibrate it, test it, and then we brought it back up. And uh, sure enough, uh, I, got, I got a little excited because the tracks were still there <laughs> and they were solid. <laughs> So describe what it was then that you that these tracks were indicating was there. So what was so weird about the tracks is that all commercial airlines, um, all everything, everything that decides to fly at these altitudes has some type of indicator of what they are. Um, these had no indicator. They were not communicating in any way. Um, they weren't broadcasting anything. Um, and they were going ridiculously slow at the time. I know that's kind of uh, different from what most people say. You know, you know the thing went so fast. You know, well, the, the weird thing about them is they were going slow to begin with. And that's what, you know, piqued our interest in even looking at them. And, you know, obviously that and it was in our airspace. <laughs> so you can tell these systems can tell altitude and distance, I'm assuming. Yep, speed, altitude and distance. So you've got something hanging or moving slow. And of course, if it's an aircraft, I mean, the only things that can really do that are maybe blimps or helicopters. Uh, It's hard for, say, something like a military jet to just fly along really slow. It needs a certain amount of airspeed in order to gain enough lift to stay in the air. Yeah, there's only a couple of, of, uh, you know, one of the uh, there's only a couple of planes that can do the vertical you know, ascension. So, I mean, and, you know, I knew none of those were in the air. So <laughs> anytime something like right. that's in the air, we're going to know if it's yeah, like the it, lightnings can do it. And of course, you know, but okay. So, uh, how, so what altitude were you guys picking these things up roughly? Um, I think the first tracks now, you know, you were working off my fuzzy memory is I, I seem to remember them being around 28,000 feet or so. Okay. So the, so they are up in, uh, yeah, at the altitude where airliners would be uh, from time to time. So we're not talking like, you know, at 120,000 feet or something like that. No, that wasn't until later. <laughs> ah, okay. So you're, okay. So these, first of all, you're getting some unusual readings on your systems. Uh, you want to be sure that it's not some sort of glitch or it, it doesn't seem to be reading entirely clearly. So you go about recalibrating these systems and sure enough, you're still picking up these tracks on your, and is this still on the first day or did it take you some, some time to recalibrate the systems? I think this is more, uh, bleeding into the second day. Um, okay. and then it's, uh, and then from there, I mean, that's the way I think the, uh, they, there wasn't a whole lot going on. They were basically just kind of doing this, you know, they'd, they'd come and go, but they would always be just only doing about 100 knots, kind of just drifting south. And, you know, and so I never really got a feeling of them being hostile ever. Uh, but, you know, I'm not the the radar expert. You know, I'm not the guy that sits there and tracks these things all day long. I just I'm the guy that fixes everything and kind of looks over those guys shoulders. <laughs> right. So but you do see the display. So did you actually see these tracks on the display itself when it was taking place? Yes, yes. I definitely saw those tracks. Uh, and, you know, I would I, ha- I have a unhealthy curiosity for everything. 
So, you know, I've always had them, you know, explain things to me. Look, what am I looking at? What does the symbology mean? Why does it say this? Why does it look like that? And I used to drive them up the wall even before all this happened. Uh, well, that's what it takes to get to know how these systems really work. That's really interesting. So then by at this point, you or up to this point, you've had no real particular interest in ufos or strange phenomena taking place you've probably heard maybe i'm not sure if you heard but maybe you've heard some stories but you just sort of didn't pay much attention to them and then this happens so uh what happens next then all right so you know every every day i'd try to go down there and anytime i had a chance i'd go down and take a look see if the tracks are back or if they're still there if they left because there were good periods of time when they just wouldn't be there and then um during the day we had them and the the bearing you know seemed you know they were within about 70 miles so i was like well maybe i might be able to see them let's break there let's break at this point your perceptions about what was going on here with Gary, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. 
Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331-800-547-5331-800-547-5331-800-547-5331. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60-day money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to mypillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's mypillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now you're talking here about your initial perceptions of of what was going on. Continue, Gary. Uh, No problem. So, you know, it it seemed to be that if it was a solid object uh, with the bearing, and so I got the bearing off of the radar, and I went up to the bridge wing and kind of snuck out there, and nobody really seemed to care, and so I looked out there to see if I could see anything, and um, you know, I looked around for a while, and that day I didn't see anything, so I figured, you know, maybe I'll try at night. You know, I might be able to see them better at night if they're if they're you know if they have any lights or something like that. So, because still to this point, all they are is just tracks on a screen. So nobody's really seen them, or nobody's told me they've seen them yet. So I waited until later on that night, and when we got the you know within about the same range, I got the bearing and I went up to the bridge wing. And sure enough, I was actually able to kind of, I would be able to see them on the, see it on the horizon. At that distance, you know, I couldn't discern any fine detail, but because it was, and it was a, you know, it was a bright illuminated object at the same exact bearing as the radar. So I'm assuming that this is the object that we're tracking. And I was absolutely uh, amazed, you know, okay, it's, it's, there's, there's something, definitely something there. So what we have then is the, is what's called the CIC, the Combat Information Center, and that's down in the ship. And then to get to what you call the bridge wing, that's up above at the top of the ship, right? Where yeah, when you're you have looking, a view of everything. Now, when you're looking at the uh, ship itself, uh, when you look up in the, in the, on a the bridge is, is where those big windows are, where the actual wheel is that they steer the ship. And then on either side of that, you're going to see these platforms that extend out from both sides of the bridges now you're going to you're also going to see these huge binoculars at the end of those and they kind of they move out 
away from the ship to make it easier to be able to see all around. And it's a watch station for a, most uh, when we're at, when we're at general quarters, people would be stationed there to less lookouts. Right. So this is up on, I guess, what you would call the superstructure of the yeah. ship. So how high off the water is that roughly? Um, I'd probably say it's a good, let's see, probably 30 to 40 feet off the water. Okay. So you're up off the water using some uh, high-powered binoculars. Is there a, a rating that you could give us in a, some sort of, a, is it, are, are we talking 50 times or 60 times power type of thing? Or, you know, you've got aperture and then you've got magnification. So do you know what the specs are on those roughly? I did. Uh, I actually looked it up and uh, I, I can get them for you here in a little bit. You can go on to the next questions. But yeah, well, we could just I mean, we, we what we're getting at here is that we're not just talking about your typical uh, handheld binoculars that a person would be able to hold up and look out. These are more like maybe what you might see it at uh, some uh, tourist sites that are they're mounted on a uh, some sort of a uh, right, so holder, and they're they're quite large, and they've got large lenses. And yeah, they're they're twenty by one twenty. Okay, so they're 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 pretty heavy. Uh, you know they're. So that'd be 20 times closer and through a 120 aperture, which would bring in a lot of light. Okay. So you can, you can see quite a ways. I mean, you can, as pretty much, you can see the, the, the horizon. Um, you're not going to be able to tell a massive amount of detail, but, um, you know, anything within, I'd say probably, uh, 50, 60 miles, you can see pretty damn clearly 70 and plus you kind of, if it's lit up, it's it's you, you could probably see that it's there. And then, you know, past that, you know, the human eye just kind of has starts having a hard time differentiating the background. But these were lit up. Did they appear to be illuminated themselves like emitting light or were they simply, say, reflecting light off this, the sun and the going down in the horizon type of thing? Uh, to be could you tell? Well, at that distance, I wouldn't have been able to tell. But I mean, it didn't matter what time of the night; they seemed to stay the same brightness. So, uh, I would assume that they were emitting it. That would, yeah, that sounds like a safe, uh, safe assumption, definitely, uh, because something at, at a certain time they just the sun would be on the other side of the planet, so there really wouldn't be any light coming from the sun to reflect off of them. So, okay, so we're, how many of them do you, were you able to see? Uh, over the whole week, I was actually able to spot at least five of them. Um, like I said, because of the distance, it, it's it, it was a lot harder to see them. And at night, it was a lot easier. But I actually finally did get to see one during the day. I actually got made out a, a nice black speck, and it did a nice little, okay, it's time to go for me, and just disappeared right in front of me. So it was that was the most exciting one of all of them. Other than that, they were all just kind of, there and they didn't do anything until that one and then i'll be honest with you i got a little excited about that because it took uh multiple seconds for my brain to even realize the thing was gone and that's how fast this thing moved interesting uh, but uh, but you're saying that this was like a black speck as opposed to like say i mean 
that doesn't yeah, sound just, like you're, it doesn't sound like anything where you're able to make out any detail of what was there. Yeah, you could. I couldn't. I couldn't tell that if there was any detail. And like I said, during the day, uh, you couldn't tell the illumination. So it was basically just a speck on the horizon. Uh, you know, a decent size speck, but you know, dark speck. And then you know, I was just like, well, maybe that's it. And then uh, all of a sudden, it's gone. I mean, literally, just like it vanished. But then, okay. You know, it was uh, it was just how fast it was moving. Uh, I just couldn't perceive the how fast it was moving. So that now, not to get too far ahead of ourselves now. So this is um, if this took course over um, if the training exercise was two weeks long. About how far into this training exercise did these things appear? Was it the first day when you guys were out there, or did it was it a weekend or? I think it was a couple of days after we arrived. Um, the time the time frames are real hard for me because it really wasn't important at the time. The only thing that was really important for time at that time for me was whether I had to be on watch or not. <laughs> and so, right. you know, it just it was just kind of one of those things where it's just you always just check up on it, and you weren't really. I wish you know now knowing how important it really is. I really wish I had just taken notes and you know stuff like that, and you know, kind of twenty twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, but. Uh, right. Well, it I'd doesn't have I, to. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, in other words, this didn't happen all in the last two days, no, kind of thing. So no, it was. It was uh, most of my sightings of them were over the entire week that we were tracking them, and it was probably a couple of days into the training mission. So, okay, so so on, uh, and this. So by day two, you were already trying to get a visual on them. Yeah, I, I'm always been like I said, an unhealthy curiosity. <laughs> no. That's okay. And uh, so day three comes along and you guys are still checking these things out. Uh, continue with the story. All right. So, uh, you know, the last sighting I said, like I said, it was uh, I actually get to see it during the day. And that's when it had bugged out. And then I um, was pretty excited at that, at that point. And then I had actually asked the radar guys, you know, you know, do you actually see these things leave? And they go for about a, a maybe a, a 0.2 seconds. We see them as they leave. But other than that, you know, they just disappear off the scope, uh, meaning they, they disappear from the screen itself. Um, so they move faster than the, the, the radar you know, could track it. So we're cool. talking here about suddenly just vanishing. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. It's either they go, you know, disappear, like literally disappear, or they are just moving faster than we can track. And I personally just kind of assume that they're moving faster than we can track. That seems to make a certain amount of sense, although I suppose there are other possibilities. But there were, now when you say they, we're also talking about more than one. So uh, how many of them were there? Um. When when I would see it on the bridge, uh, there'd be like three to five to. I mean, there was different different numbers at all times. Uh, I mean, for me, there was always smaller groups. Every time I saw them, uh, Kevin had a lot more time on the bridge and obviously was in charge of them. So he he was able to he can he said that he's seen all the way up to ten tracks at a time. So uh, through through his testimony about it, I I can say that it was between three and ten. Right. So now we're talking about uh, Kevin Day, I'm assuming. Could tell us a bit about Kevin Day and uh, your relationship with him while you were working with him on the Princeton. 
Let's have that answer in our next segment with Gary. And Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Dehebo Tea Club's original pure pouty arco super tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Dehebo Tea Club's original pure pouty arco super tea builds corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Dehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Gary Voorhees, our guest this week in the Paracast, in our previous segment, heard a question from Randall. Gary, your answer, please. Um, Kevin Day was the the uh, senior chief for the OS department. Um, the guys OSs are operational specialists. Uh, they are the guys that actually will sit in front of all my computer systems and run them during normal operations. Um, basically, their whole job is just to run stuff <laughs> and make sure they don't spill crap into my consoles. The <laughs> um, senior chief Day himself, uh, he did. Uh, he was in charge of a lot of a lot of the flight operations. He was uh, he stood watch on NCIC um, at the time when I was on the ship. Uh, we were you know there was disparity amongst our between our ranks, so it was always a professional relationship. Uh, you know, I had things to do on the on the bridge or if there on on the ship itself or NCIC. You know, he he would acknowledge me, but it was you know just in passing. We didn't. Mean, 
we weren't on like uh, buddy terms. We, you know, we weren't, you know, uh, talking and on the smoke break and, uh, you know, hanging out or anything like that. But we, uh, we had a professional relationship, you know, he would definitely contact me if there were any consoles that were down. And most of our uh, discussions were always of a, a technical nature. So, um, or professional nature. So it, uh, it, he always came off to me as a very detail oriented person. He always wanted to know, uh, you know, what was wrong with the consoles and stuff like that. And I always appreciated him because I was, uh, constantly on top of the operations guys for, you know, eating at the consoles. And he was, he was, he helped me <laughs> stem that issue. And so, uh, other than that, he, uh, me and him just had a completely professional relationship on the ship. Okay. So he described kind of what's going on and, um, and, and if there was any technical difficulties, like say, back on uh, the first day when these uh, tracks were not as clear as you'd like to be uh, he perhaps he was the one who alerted you to this said uh, hey we you know can you come up and check this out what is that more or less how that happened then um with that no uh we we, we pretty much police our own systems we have a, a system incorporated in within the Aegis system called the ort system and it's uh it's an operational ready readiness testing system that literally has um, hundreds of test points throughout the entire system that alert us to any issues with the system. And then we pretty much do this on our own, but he definitely uh, wanted to know whether they were real tracks or not, or whether they were, uh, you know, ghost tracks or whether there was, you know, what would be the possible, what are they? You know, so he was definitely very interested in, in, our maintenance and to make sure that these were real tracks. So who brought these to the attention uh, or his attention? Did he bring these to your attention or did you bring them to his attention? Who, who was the first one to go, Hey, what are these things and what do we do? It would be, it would be the, it would be the, uh, the OS that was on the spy radar. Uh, he he would be the one that would bring it to his attention and say, hey, you know, we have X amount of unknowns at certain bearing, you know, and, you know, at certain speed. And, and then from there, he, from there, he would determine what to do or how to report it up. Right. And so that's kind of why I was assuming that he would have contacted you to confirm what was going on. So did you encounter these objects or tracks yourself before how, how is it that you became aware of them well i i honestly was just smoking and uh one of the uh, spy guys had uh, the guys that that fixed the spy radar itself uh had told me that they had unknown tracks and uh it might be just clutter and so that was just a casual conversation uh, a little sidebar you know a Mm-hmm. So basically kind of him telling me that basically means, you know, hey, stand by because you're going to have to reload the systems a lot. Because when we do the uh, calibration, I basically got to stand by in, in uh, the computer central, which is basically a big room with all the computers that run all the different weapon systems on board. And I just sit there and reset these things over and over again for them. OK, so you knew that was coming up and then you got the uh, s- someone s- sent you down the alert or the orders to say, hey, uh, you know, we want these things reset or do what you have to do. Or you or you were just were you just curious about it yourself and went down to have a look after your break? Well, once they said that uh, it was there could be an issue with the systems, I immediately started running passive uh, tests 
so I, I went down to the computer room, checked all the recording, make sure the recording was up and running, making sure there was all fresh discs instead of just because when there's nothing going on um, and nothing bothering with the recording, we just flip the discs. So we don't even we just you know basically record them over. Um, and there's no point in wasting another disc if there's literally nothing going on. But with something like this going on, I made sure that we all, you know, fresh tapes it every time. And I made sure the watchstanders knew that they needed to make sure that there was always a fresh tape in as long as all this stuff was going on. Um, so I did passive system checks, which basically goes throughout the system, uses the ORT system, uses some of my own systems itself just to kind of uh, see if there's any uh, error codes, any alerts or anything like that. And I found none. But then the spy technicians also will do the same thing on their systems. And we have a, uh, a we have a comm system between the different rooms. So we can hear them over a little. We got little speakers and you, you just hit a little it's like a little uh, switch and you just on or off and to talk kind of like you do with these mics and we just talk back and forth so I could be standing by across the room and they just yell through the through it and then I can reset things. Interesting. Okay, so I think we've got a pretty good idea about the environment you were working in and what you're doing now, which which really helps. So when did things really start to get interesting? Before we get to that, I wanted to ask just one overview question here. We're talking about 2004. It's the early days of the second Iraqi war, three years after 9-11, a lot of sensitivities. At any point did you first think maybe this is something that's related to all that? Um, I'll be honest with you. No, not at all. Not where we were. I mean, we were off the coast of California, um, nowhere near the Middle East. Um, the tracks were going way too slow. Uh, you know, I mean, unless they were attack balloons uh, or, <laughs> or, or, uh, or, you know, they decided to pull out some uh, Nazi area era uh, dirigibles. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we weren't really there was no urgency to them, really. So there was nobody was all paranoid and on on ready alert and, you know, ready to push the button. You guys were just doing your usual training and uh, maintenance exercises. Then these targets show up on your systems. Uh, you don't think too much of them at first. Now we would, I mean, I know it's a small dish, you know, we wouldn't have called them a target. It would be a track. Uh, they're okay. not targets until they're designated a threat. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it's basically because uh, if you say it's a target, it means that we were actively engaging with them. Um, and at that time, we weren't. So until we sent the F-18s out to do the interrogation, they would not have been targets. Thanks for that. Yeah. And, you know, forgive us out here in the civilian world. Uh, for that, uh, I'm sure that a lot of us find it very interesting. This all sounds really uh, Tom Clancy-ish in its own way, very high tech. And uh, so now you you mentioned that aircraft were launched to investigate things. But when did things start getting really interesting before that? Or it, did it? It really didn't, to be honest. I mean, honestly, it just came, ended up being after we did all the calibrations and the resets and everything, and we realized there's literally nothing wrong with any of the systems and that what we're seeing is what we're seeing. Um, it was uh, as if uh, we would go to general quarters if there was a real problem, which is basically saying, uh, you know, Without, that's our alert status. Like when we go to war, we go to general quarters on a ship. Uh, it'd be like uh, when you see in the hunt for October when they say red alert, red alert. 
um, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to ask how close Tom Clancy's vision of the military is to the real thing, except to say that in the 90s, I did meet Tom Clancy at a convention for Mac users, Apple Mac users. And I don't want to give my perceptions of that because it's not relevant. We got more with Gary, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do 
do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So I did brought up the name Tom Clancy because I, I met up with him at a Macworld Expo after helping him fix a CD-ROM problem. And I thought he was very full of himself. Gary Voorhees, you are about to say something? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, there's probably a reason he's full of himself, because I tell you what, is uh, his books, and he must have done his research or been in the military himself, because a lot of that stuff is pretty spot on. This is all very highly technical, and... Any of us who are interested in uh, military thriller type movies and stuff, we we can picture these uh, centers with the screens and the people working on them and the types of things that go on. It It's really quite fascinating in its own way. So you, you've been tracking these objects, whatever they are, the, these tracks have shown up on your systems for a couple of days. How long was it before somebody finally said, let's go take a look? I think it was about seven days or so, and then I and then I'd heard uh, a, a rumor that they were going to do an interrogation, and then nothing happened. And then, like the next day, I hear oh, they're going, they're 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 in the air, they're going to do the interrogation, and what that would mean to anybody else is that the you know the chain of command has finally decided now this is just from the perception of like us lower you know this isn't like from kevin day's perception which had you know he was actually the instigator for this but to us we're like oh finally you know and you know because uh we don't get the privilege of hearing all that cool backstory that i got to hear after the fact but uh <laughs> um so I got excited. I'm like, cool, you know, hopefully maybe the gun cameras will be on or they'll have FLIR on and we'll be able to see actually, you know, what we're looking, you know, what we were tracking. Yeah. You know, I kind of just had a slight hope for that. And then I, then somebody said, Hey, you know, come, uh, come over to and check it out on the secret computers. You know, it's on the, it's on the, it's on the secret, the secret side, but you can, you can actually watch the interrogation. So we, we went and watched the interrogation. And, you know, at that point, uh, I remember at first you, you see this object, you kind of just don't really know what it is. doesn't really have any discerning features or anything like that. It's, it's completely smooth. Uh, and the guy's flipping through the gun, gun camera and, and through the, uh, through the different, um, the cameras. 
And, you know, you can see that on the small clip, but what you don't see is the detail. And, you know, you can see that there's something kind of coming out of the bottom. I couldn't tell whether they were actually L-shaped or anything like that, but there didn't seem to be any seams, uh, in my opinion, from, you know, what I saw. But it was just kind of benign at first, like, okay, well, that was anti-chromatic. What the hell is that? You know, and then all of a sudden it starts moving. And then that's when it was like, you know, all of a sudden it would just move out of the frame, gone completely, and then it would come back into the frame and it would be moving right and left and up and down. And it didn't seem to have, you know, anything that would stop it from moving in any any direction at any speed, you know. And the odd thing about that is it had no jet plume. It had no wings. It had no props. It had nothing, you know. And so at that point in my brain, um, I'm, I got real excited because, you know, here's this level of physics that, you know, we don't know anything about. And uh, a propulsion system that is, you know, to, in, at the time, I remember that has to be, I remember thinking it has to be some type of anti-gravity, you know, to be able to just do that. And then later on, when I found out that there was zero sonic booms when this thing was moving, I was like, the only way you could do that is if if there was no air resistance going through around it, you know, and then I was, I, then I started thinking about, you know, how can that happen? And, you know, I started getting into the real technical stuff and that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last 15 years is crunching those numbers and trying to figure out exactly how this could work. And until some of the more modern theories of quantum mechanics and some of these more in depth, high end physics until I was able to actually comprehend and understand some of that stuff uh, i kept running into walls <laughs> did you ever think here as you're looking at this did it ever occur to you hey maybe this is et after all um to be dead honest with you, i didn't care a at that point i just really wanted to know how they worked and hell i, I almost wanted just to i wanted to be inside it i wanted to fi find out you know i want to i want to see you know how it flies if i could fly it you know i mean and then that those questions just extrapolated over these years. And then now that it's out on a forum where people actually kind of care about what we think about this thing, it's it's a little odd. <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, uh, we seem to sort of skip ahead a bit there now. So what happened was that you, you picked up these uh, tracks after a few days, someone decides that they are going to go investigate now. Were these aircraft, I, I think we're talking about now uh, F-18 uh, Super Hornets or a yeah. version of them. And we're talking about aircraft that can go nearly 2,000 miles an hour, uh, almost anyhow, according to our yeah, they, specifications. They, they, basically, in a nutshell, at the time, they were the best of the best of the best. They, they were the cutting edge technology in the air. Yeah, really and amazing machines. Even to this day, to this day, they're still amazing machines. And uh, okay, but at any time, were they launched specifically to intercept these targets? Not targets, excuse me, tracks. Well, or, I know the first, the first, I think with Fravor's group, they were expecting to do a training mission, but it had gotten interrupted due to the fact that they did a real world tasking on the intercept. Now that now they were just the first. They did launch more fighters after they came back, and those are the actually people that did the film. It was it was actually wasn't Fravor that did the film itself 
and it was actually somebody that launched after Fravor that had the, that went and did an interrogation that that made the film. So these are two separate uh, launches, yeah. And this fits with with um, my understanding of the events, right? Uh, Fravor and his group were up in the air already. They got instructions to go check it out. They were running low on fuel or something like that, had to return to the carrier. And when they got back, they launched another uh, set of aircraft to go and actually check it out. And they're the ones that got the uh, pictures that we've been seeing on the internet. And that is my understanding. And, and, you know, unfortunately all that stuff is just what I've had to hear through, you know, my co coworkers and, you know, the people that came out with me and their portions of the story. Now, when we're talking about uh, David Fravor, and we've seen his interviews, he comes across as very credible. Can you tell us a bit more about his role and how he fits into the the structure there, and in, in terms of his his rank and his responsibilities, and uh, what it is that he does, so that people can understand that we're not just talking about somebody who you know casually flies around and maybe just saw something. I'll tell you what, let's do our break here and give Gary a chance to just give the full answer without having to interrupt it, okay? Just want to let people know that a little bit later this month, we'll be featuring one of the authors of those New York Times articles, Leslie Kane, who hasn't been on the Paracast for quite a while. So look forward to that. That's going to be towards the end of the month. We'll announce more later. With Gene, Randall, and Gary, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio. Pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive, the list goes on and on. Billion dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio. The media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. At least 11 people are dead after severe thunderstorms struck the southern part of the United States on Saturday. Thunderstorms and tornadoes knocked out power to more than 267,000 customers from Arkansas to Ohio. Tornadoes will be a threat this weekend in Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia. This Alabama resident describes a storm in his neighborhood. Man, just a tornado just came through, just wiped everything out. Meanwhile, ice is going to be a problem for many from eastern Michigan to northern New York. Meanwhile, in Iran... Hey, 
Iranian protesters are demanding Iran's supreme leader step down after the regime shot down a Ukrainian plane and killed 176 people. President Trump is keeping an eye on the protests. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Does your business spend $500 a month or more on gas and electric bills? Did you know by making a simple free phone call, you can save up to 25% on your bill every month? What could you do with a 25% savings on utility bills every month? Energy deregulation is now available in your state. Making one simple phone call will show you how we can lower your gas and electric bills instantly. With no changes to your bill and no enrollment fee. This is a free service. The only thing you'll notice is a lower bill every month. Call U.S. Power & Light right now. Learn how easy it is to lower your utility bills for your business and save money. We promise. So if you spend over $500 a month on your gas and electric bills, please call right now and unleash your savings. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. That's 800-941-3381. This message is for all sexually active men. Now you can get the same active ingredients as in Viagra and Cialis. Online, in chewable form, from BlueChew.com. Chewable can mean better, cheaper, and for some men, work faster. Get started 100% online. So no in-person doctor visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and no more awkwardness. BlueChew.com ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. So order now. You'll love it, and so will your partner. For a limited time, first-time customers get their first shipment free. Just pay $5 shipping when you use the promo code FAST at BlueChew.com. Chewable can mean better, cheaper, and for some men, work faster. That's BlueChew.com, promo code FAST. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The service is not intended to replace your primary care physician or cure any disease. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. We have Gary Voorhees answering one of the probing questions from Randall. Go ahead, please. So, uh, Mr. Fravor, this is, this is a guy, he's a uh, you know, uh, Top Gun pilot. Uh, from what I hear from his coworkers and some people that worked around him is that he was the best of the best of the best of the best you know he was the guy that you would send you would want as your wing you know he was the guy that you know he was the top notch in his field you know no question about it he was the captain of the black aces you know he was the commander of the black aces which was his uh, squadron you don't get to that point unless you know you are somebody of exceptional uh, you know, stature and you've, you've, you really have to work your way to that point just to be a pilot period, a combat pilot. You have to be, you know, you know, less than 1% of the Navy ends up being combat pilots. So it's, it's, (laughs) you mean, you're the, you're the cream of the crop. So it's, uh, it's to be expected that, you know, anything this guy says, I, I support David Fravor in, he, you know, he's really the reason why all of us came out about the event in support of him. So he is probably one of the most credible people that, and he's really the reason why I even decided to talk about it. 
Yes, not only just a combat pilot, but as you say, he was the leader of the squadron as well. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about a guy with some serious training and experience who, when he says something, people take it seriously. Because when I heard that I, one, of the, one of the actual pilots, you know, because prior to this, you know, I didn't know who the pilots were. I, you know, I knew somebody went up there but i didn't know who they were so but when i found out who he was and that he was coming out about it i you know it's like oh i mean i can't i gotta come out and talk about it now i mean this there's no going back at this point this is this is you know this is real now (laughs) now according to the story he actually visually saw this as well so this wasn't simply just picked up on cameras he did get a visual on the object as well yeah, he got a he got a whole eyeful of this thing, and I mean, he's his description of it matches exactly with what I saw on the on the film. He saw the details, you know. If you if you want to know exactly what these things looked like, go back and listen to his interviews. Uh, they, I mean, he will he can tell you in detail what these things looked like. Okay, so what we have then is we have these tracks showing up on your systems why didn't anybody investigate them right away why did it take so long for anybody to take these things seriously well that's a question that you probably have to ask the chain of command which you know how that ends up being um, my in my in my opinion i think it had a little bit to do with uh, not really wanting to be involved in this whole type of situation um, this could be a career ender for people. Uh, you, you know, a lot of the stigmas of, you know, oh, you're the captain that, that uh, interrogated the, the UFOs. Oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, they don't, you know, you don't want to be associated with this topic whatsoever. I mean, as the grunt guys like us, it doesn't really matter for us. But, you know, pilots, captains, officers, I mean, their whole careers could be ended just on, you know, a flippant comment. Never mind an event, a UFO event. But isn't that their job, though? I mean, that's their whole purpose of being out there is to be able to detect some sort of an intrusion by some possible enemy. If you don't know what it is, it seems really irresponsible to me to not do anything about it when it's kind of your job to go out there and figure out what it is. I guess maybe unless you're on a training exercise, but one would think that, hey, We've got something here. We don't know what it is. They appear to be real objects. You're in the military. <laughs> I, I'm, no, not you, seeing you how, I'm not seeing def- how it could possibly be something that somebody would be afraid of doing when it, I mean, to us out here in the civilian world, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, you definitely, I, I definitely follow your line of thinking and I definitely agree with your line of thinking, but you got to step back a little bit further and remember that there's different levels and layers going on during this whole situation. You know, there's this tiny, you know, this, this, this tiny little window that I get to see as an E4 running the systems. And then there's a, a you know, a bigger world that even, you know, senior chief gets to see but then there's also that that and that's when you start getting into the command levels you know where you start getting into the officers and you know as you get up they have different circles and different ideas and they're communicating differently you know so they're mm. they're talking with different people so i mean they could have been talking about this the entire time and just not doing anything about it 
you know, they could they they could have been like, you know, all right, well, this is what's going on. How do you want us to proceed? Because they're going to talk about it very clinical because they don't want to say, you know, UFOs. You're not going to say, you know, they're going to just, you know, they're going to keep it very clinical when they're talking about it. Right. The, and, this this should have made its way up to, I guess we're talking about now, the whatever the top commander of the ship would be to make these decisions. Uh it would have to percolate up to him. That shouldn't take very long, one would think. Or are these sort of spurious tracks even reported that far up? Does it have to get past a certain person in the chain of command before it even gets that far? Well, I think just through the nature of the tracks themselves, and since they were they were technically deemed non-hostile, since they were doing no aggressive posturing, there was no active tracking of us, there was no, uh, you know, they weren't doing anything to us at all. Um, I think at that point, until it became an issue with the training mission, you know, it's easily just just ignored because, I mean, you, you really don't understand the stigma on something like this really would be horrible. I mean, even today, the captain of the ship at the time, he literally will tell you, I don't remember an event like that happening. He doesn't want anything to do with it. You basically raised something there because the traditional legend in the UFO field going back to the 50s and such is that if anyone in the military sees something strange, they would generally be ordered not to speak of it to anyone other than those within their chain of command. Did anybody say anything to you? Hey, guy, let's keep this on the down low. Uh, luckily for me, not many people can actually enter my space. So I didn't really, <laughs> <laughs> not, nobody really could, uh, nobody told me. I mean, we kind of had a, we had this uh, BS story that kind of got, it wasn't a, an official explanation sent to us but it was basically trying to say that there was a uh, spontaneous ice forming in the atmosphere and i'm thinking to myself i saw the video that wasn't ice <laughs> well tell okay so tell us a bit more about this video because all we see out here is this sort of blurry fuzzy object that looks like it's been filmed in, in infrared We're, we don't see any visible light imagery and it's not all that clear what did this look like to you when you were watching the the, uh, the playback so the clip you guys saw, I can only assume was compressed to be sent as an email, which would explain at the time back in 2004, it would have had to have been a pretty small file, which explains the, the severe degradation of the film. Um, now, up until recently, when the, these new papers uh, emerged about there being a longer film, um, I just assumed that that was, you know, since the Navy wanted to take the stance that there is no other video, I was like, okay, well, that's all that's left. You know, they just didn't take it serious enough. They just cut it up and then that's all that's left. But the one I saw, you could clearly see the edges. You could clearly see the shape. You can see it moving. You can see it, it got zoomed in on a couple of times. And like I said, the apertures on the bottom, you couldn't quite tell exactly what they were. It is only because it seems like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just my memory or if it's, I seem to remember being able to see them, but I can't remember exactly what they looked like. That implies, of course, there's a lot of footage that we haven't seen. And I understand the compression factor, although there are ways to send lossless videos, even by email, but we're not going to get into the technicalities of that here, about email and systems yeah, like back that. In we, that. Back in 2004, a lot of those things didn't exist. You, know, you, could, you could do a zip yeah. file, and that's... 
about the uh, technical expertise of most of the sailors. <laughs> we got more to come with Gary, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game, Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Hey everyone, Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662 or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio. You heard right. Proactive MD plus free shipping and a free gift. The new charcoal pore cleansing brush. You'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee. You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back. Call now. 1-800-583-8662. That's 1-800-583-8662. Or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Again, go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. 
You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. Then again, we have to consider, guys, that this is 2004. Today, 2020, we have little iPhones and Samsung Galaxies that take 4K video and can be used for motion pictures. What a change. Go on, please. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of things is, you know, when people ask me a lot of these questions and stuff like that, they're not realizing that, you know, even as advanced as their technology was in 2004, it's nothing like it is today. You know, it's like, well, why didn't you guys take a picture of it? I go, yeah, because because my my razor phone was going to make that uh, picture look even better. <laughs> you know, but uh, and even even people that had actual cameras on board, I mean, still the most the, the best camera you could really get was a nine millimeter with a really good, you know, a nice Canon nine millimeter camera. You know, you had digital cameras that were doing, I think five megapixels at the time but i mean those things costed a fortune so i mean and plus they they never came close enough to our ship to get a picture like that you know you would have had to have one of those uh high-end telephoto lenses that they use for sporting events or something like that in order to get get any type of picture of it from where our ship was but the systems themselves i mean we're talking about probably systems that cost who knows i mean hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. They did have large imaging devices back in those days for places like observatories and and I imagine the military as well. But the thing is, is did this thing appear in the visible spectrum at any time during this film or was it always in infrared? Um, it actually, the if when you look, watch the full film, he actually films it in all the different modes. He flips through one, then he flips to another one, then he flips to it, and then basically is uh, like four or five different modes of the film, including actual camera footage. And then he flips to the FLIR for a, a good amount of time, and then he flips flips back to the standard image. And that's the, that's what I'm referring to when I say that I was actually able to see the object, not just in the FLIR. Okay, very interesting, because so far we haven't seen that footage we've just got the the sort of blurry flare and how was it that you got invited to view this or or did you just happen into it or or well pretty much anybody with a top secret clearance has access to these spaces and you know it's like it's one of those things where the guy's like hey you know come check this out you know they're doing the interrogation and that's the statement that actually made me made the impression to me that you know we were watching it live at the time now i've heard a couple of people you know, I have a couple of things that were saying we didn't have the technology to stream it live. 
but I, I couldn't tell you whether that was true or not because the technology apparently was available at the time. I just don't know if it was equipped amongst the uh, on on the F-18s at the time. Right. Yeah. No. Well, technologically, you know what they say. The stuff that we don't know about is ten years ahead of anything we that we do know about. So, and if not more than that, so. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, even in 2004, you could do streaming satellite live coverage of sporting events. So what the military has, you've got to think, well, okay, it's going to be over and above that by who knows how much. Okay, really interesting. So uh, how many other people were watching this film with you? Uh, Well, there's quite a few of us all crammed in there trying to, you know, basically, I mean, think of... uh, yeah, think think of what a bunch of teenagers would be looking at. You know, I mean, we were all teens and in our twenties. We were all just standing there. There's probably about fifteen of us all just staring around this this monitor watching this video. Okay, so so the the aircraft all land then again, and at some point these uh, objects, whatever they are, they go away. I'm assuming before the training exercise was over. Um, I'm not sure exactly when they went away because after I saw the film that you know that was but that was uh, like the you know that was my all right period this is we- this is real this is weird you know at that point I went and made sure I started collecting up all the tapes I had planned on keeping them completely aside and uh, and when I say tapes I'm talking about the uh, the spy one Ro- spy one Bravo radar data and the Aegis data that's all on my tapes. CC records in a different way, so it's a uh, it's it's not located directly on the ship. So it, it well it is and it isn't, but it, it gets into stuff I can't really talk about that system. So yeah, well, I think um, we can imagine though. It's it's not too hard to sort of imagine a number of things here, scenarios. So yeah, so I mean, it wasn't yeah. it, was, it wasn't an issue of those tapes at all. So then um, I actually had collected them all up, and I, between me and you, I had I had planned on keeping them. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. I mean, basically, what I was going to do is, uh, you know, if if nobody wanted them, I was just going to put them aside. I just marked them off, uh, you know, as the days that they, that they were used. I pulled the time stamps on them and marked them on there, and just put a little a little oval on the top right corner, kind of as a designation of the the uh, the object itself, as just so I knew which tapes were which and. Then yeah, I, I my bubble was busted because I got called. I, 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 they did. They went to flight ops, so I went up to the uh, the hangar and a helicopter came in. I saw a couple of guys get off the ship. And I'm like, ah, I had a gut feeling, you know, ah, you know, we just had this event. And some people are coming here, and they were plain clothes people, no men in black. I mean, they, uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, if you just saw them, they would just be business casual, you know. Um, khakis and a polo with a windbreaker kind of kind of outfits uh i don't specifically remember exactly what they were wearing but it was it wasn't it was wasn't anything that i would say you know like air force or stuff like that they were they seemed to be civilians so instead of the men in black it's the men in khakis or something like that yeah the the guys that the guys that run the paper mill i mean they they literally just nondescript they didn't look important they didn't look like anything anybody that uh that i knew because i know all the tech reps for for our system since we just spent that long in the shipyards putting all this stuff in um and then within a couple of minutes of them being on board i had to get relinquished all my tapes 
And then on top of that, they said any of the blank tapes that I had in my space, I had to also erase. So they took the tapes with the data itself, and then I had to erase everything that was in my shop. It just in case they basically they were it was kind of a precaution in case I had a backup of those tapes. I honestly didn't even think to do a backup on them, and uh, it's a pain in the butt to do that. So it wasn't something that was in my capability at the time because there it's a special type of system that's kind of just only hardwired just to record live stuff. Sounds to me like there is a, certainly an intelligence aspect here because they are retrieving this evidence, this photographic evidence. Well, I mean, it's uh, a lot of people get real excited about that part. But I mean, this literally could just be one of the companies of the system looking for you know system data. It could be uh, it could be anybody. I mean, that information was invaluable with, you know, trying to figure out exactly uh, the capabilities of our systems versus whatever this thing was. So, I mean, by a st- you know, the military would most definitely want all of that information. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so just sort of getting back to where we left off though. Uh, so after these two, uh, attempts to intercept the tracks, then the all the excitement kind of died down. Nobody paid any attention to them, or were they still on the screens for a number of days? I I don't remember. I'll be honest with you. Once once my tapes were taken, I just kind of <laughs> just sunk back into my hole, and just was like, "All right, well, that's over." Right. Oh, so you didn't think to go the next day and see if it was still happening? Nobody was talking about it, so I assumed there was nothing going on. So it just kind of ended. Okay, that's very interesting. Let me ask you a question then to follow up. Was there ever a eureka moment saying, you know, I really saw something there. That's weird. Uh, Yeah. As soon as as soon as I saw that video, that was that was it. That was like, oh, my God. I mean, I literally just I remember my brain going like completely numb. Like the first time uh, like like the first time a girl tells you that you like tells you that she likes you, too. And your head goes numb. Yeah. There you go. You you have (laughs) same, same feeling. (laughs) So let me ask you too, before this, it has obviously no bearing on what you saw. Had you read science fiction? Had you seen movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I hadn't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but you know, I I was an X-Files fan. I did like sci-fi, but it was, uh, it was more of, you know, more of a just a normal interest in sci-fi just i enjoyed the stories i read mostly just stuff like uh fantasy stuff like you know jargon lance and stuff like that i wasn't really a uh you know space you know i wasn't wanting to be a space cowboy or anything like that (laughs) but maybe this was a real life x-files though we got more to come with gary gene and randall you're in the paracast for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, 
all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. I'm here with Scott Uceum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever. We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, obviously here, we're closer then in 2004 to the original version of the X-Files before they screwed it up on the reboot. So you ever think, hey, this is a real-life X-Files. I've seen this stuff on TV now. Wow. I didn't really think of the X-Files at the time because this was real. Uh, you got to remember, I was thinking of it as more of this is a real-life technology. This is, you know, if is this, you know, I everything went through my head other than the X-Files. You know, we all kind of joked around a little bit because we, uh, we used to say spy, the spy radar was uh reversed alien technology because <laughs> because uh, we know you know, there's no other radars that work like those those do and it was it was so advanced versus like everything else on the ship so uh, with that running joke i kind of was all like well maybe they're coming back to get their tech you know <laughs> now after this all happened how long did you continue working for the military um, that was actually the last cruise I was on. I actually got off the ship after that, and uh, I had actually got out of the military at that time. I was just at the end of my service, so just honorably discharged. Around 2005 or six, or also right in 2004? Yeah, it was right at the end of 2004. Oh, interesting. Okay. We've got some, uh, some questions in our forum, and uh, I'd like to get to some of those now, if you don't mind. We've got, uh, this is one of our fairly active forum participants, Farlig Goldstein. I've always wondered if that's a real name or not, but let's not mention that. <laughs> he's, he's wondering, uh, and so there's a number of them here, and we don't have to go into super detail on them, but because some of them are basically just sort of simple 
Uh, kind of almost yes or no questions. He says he was wondering, was general quarters ever sounded on the Princeton during the detection of the objects? I don't remember if it was or not. I just honestly just don't remember if we did or not. And I know that sounds weird, but if we did, it was very for, for a very short time. I don't remember it ever us ever going to general quarters for it. Okay. Uh, his second question is, uh, another sailor named Ryan... Wigelt, part of the helicopter detachment on the Princeton, says, according to what he's his he read, that during this uh, episode, the Princeton actually left the Nimitz battle group and sailed to a U.S. Navy port not far away in Southern California, and afterward returned to the battle group. Do, do you have any recollection or comments about that? Uh, I remember we hit we hit the port for something and then we came, went back out, but it was like hours that we were there. It wasn't even we weren't even there very long. Okay. And he also asks, are there other sailors who've contacted you guys but do not wish to be identified? Hundreds. Oh, very interesting. And so I uh, he asked if so, have they added any info to the basic story? They have constantly added because they love to tell me when I'm wrong. Oh, that's that's very interesting. And, and we'll get some more into that because I'd, I'd like to explore what you guys are, are doing with your own investigative group, too. When we're coming up to that. Farlig also asks, have you guys been in contact with Commander Fravor it's, uh, yourselves? It's by the sounds of it, yes, but. I really don't know why he hasn't. Uh, he doesn't have any interest in it. Um, his narrative is a little bit different than ours. And due to that, he doesn't seem to really want to be associated with our group. When you say narrative being a little bit different, um, where's the points of difference? He wasn't briefed on whether or not the, uh, you know, that my, that my tapes were taken. So he's assumed that they weren't. Um, He's inquired in on the data itself, and they said that it was no longer around, which is the same thing they said for us, too. But then, you know, we just recently found out that that's not the case. And then um, he said that there was no way we could have seen, you know, them from the ship or the bridge wing and the big eyes. And during his intercept, during his little segment where he was actually up, he's absolutely right. They were too far away. But during the week, they would, you know, we would be varying distances from it. So, I mean, it really wasn't something he would have been able to know due to those variances in his, in, in our stories, he doesn't want to have anything to do with us. Oh, that's too bad in a way, but it, that all, what you're saying also makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, Farlig also it, asks, I, well, oh, I, think go ahead. Most, I think it's mostly just a matter of perception. You know, it, it, his event is, the amount of time he was in the air interrogating these things. Yeah, the week prior, he, he wouldn't have been briefed on because, I mean, he himself didn't know anything about it until he was in the air. So it's like anything that happened prior to that really isn't his story. And he just kind of, I support Commander Fravor in everything that he says. And even the things that go against the things that we've we've talked about, I think it's just mostly his perception. So I don't really even count that as as being dishonest in his part. I think it's just what he knows to be true. So that's how, exactly how he says it. So mm -hmm. I have zero hard feelings for the man. 
Yeah, no, that makes actually perfect sense to me. It doesn't sound like uh, you're hand-waving or being dismissive or anything like that. That's a perfectly legitimate reason to to be able to you know, defend your position. Is this, you know, some people are in different positions at different times, and uh, that's their different experiences based on that. So, yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. That's fair. Uh, Farlick also asks, do you know any other officers who are providing or corroborating any other information? Um, no, I don't. Um, if it was an officer, uh, they kind of stick together. Uh, they don't really mingle with the enlisted as much. Um, you know, it's from a civilian point perspective, you see me as a you know military. I was a trained observer. I, I'm respectable. And, you know, that is not the same as the way upper chain of command looks at the lower chain of command. When you say trained observer, what does that mean exactly to you? Is that a, a like a designation or just sort of a general term that is- it's a general term for most people in the military because we're trained to pay attention to detail from day one. Um, you know, any little thing that goes wrong can cause the death of people or you know, it could cause the you know, catastrophic casualties or, or the or malfunctions in our system. So you have to, you know, from literally in boot camp, the, the, the term pay attention to detail is beat into your head. And so, I mean, you even to the even to this day, you know, driving around, you know, I mean, I won't be able to tell you 10 minutes later, but within five minutes, I'll tell you all the color of the, of all the cars that just drove by me, what they were, how many people were inside, you know, and I know not everybody can do that, but, you know, it's something that we were, you know, it's beat into our skulls. <laughs> oh, interesting. OK, so this is a different sort of uh, uh, context than, say, someone who was. Uh trained as an observer to identify aircraft that might be flying over uh, and, and to call it in kind of thing. You're, you're just talking about a type of training that puts you into a mindset to be aware and to be mindful of what's going on at all times. Yes. And, uh, and we're also trained observers within our own spheres too. So um, like with me, my trained observation would be, you know, monitoring my systems and you know checking everything in with our systems where you know a pilot's you know training would be to identify what's around him in the airspace and you know what the different types of ships and everything are and uh, air aircraft and you know his situational awareness so basically the situational awareness would be different for everybody's jobs but the trained observer part would be accurate whether you're sweeping the deck or whether you're flying a f-18 super hornet right okay so situational awareness and this sounds more closer to the say if there was a spectrum between situational awareness and being trained to identify certain things in the sky you're it's closer to the situational awareness side and it would be something that would be more fluid rather than something that you would uh, commit to memory over the long term. Let's do our break, guys. And we'll get more into this. And also, we're going to bring things up to date, what Gary's doing these days to learn more about what's going on. With Gene, Randall, and Gary, you're in. The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish. GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids. EPA, DHA, insist on IFOS omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bowe. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin right. while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called Instantly Ageless. Yeah. Instantly, you could see a difference. Even the cameraman were like, wow, look at the difference. Yeah. I mean, but I would definitely use this product. This product, within minutes of applying it, it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation. Try Instantly Ageless today at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com. 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at GCNLife.com. That's GCNLife.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're still exploring what happened in 2004 and having Gary Voorhees respond to questions from one of our listeners. Any more to follow up on that? Yes, we do have one last question. And uh, but just to complete where we left off before the break there, the reason I was asking is because it's now 2020 and there are things about the event that you say you don't remember. So I'm trying to reconcile how someone with that level of detail of memory just has forgotten things like whether or not you went on to general quarters. Um, it's whether it was relevant to my situation. You can, uh, basically, you know, if, uh, if a missile was coming at our ship, I, I definitely remember that. But if general quarters, you know, my, my situation doesn't change during general quarters. I'm in the same place. I'm, I'm doing the same things. So it would just be normal, normal for me. So there's kind of a filter that's taking place there in terms of what it is that you are going to be aware of at the same time. It's not that you're necessarily aware of everything, but you are filtering out the important stuff. Is that what I'm getting from that? Yes. Yeah. That's, and that's you kind of have to do it that way. Otherwise, it's too much. Right. Okay. And the last question is from Farlig. Have you had any other experiences, whether still in the Navy or after you got out, that are extremely hard to explain? Uh, other than women, no. <laughs> well, some mysteries were maybe better left unexplored. Uh, now that you're out, you guys have also started and an investigative company, uh, like a startup, a nonprofit startup called UAP Expeditions to carry on the work of trying to figure out what this is. Can you tell us a bit about UAP Expeditions? Uh, Yeah, it started with uh, Kevin Day. He had uh, contacted me and asked me if I'd be the vice president of a uh, a nonprofit that he was going to start up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, <laughs> sure. You know, because I mean, I got nothing to lose by it. So, and then, you know, I was interested in it. And uh, then he told me what it was about. And, you know, he said he wanted to go back. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> USOB, I'm in. <laughs> you know, so uh, we've been spending a, a lot of time on uh, finding and tracking down people of like minded interest with actual backgrounds in science and, and uh, actual, you know, people that can help us, you know, like lawyers and things, you know, scientists, uh, other trained observers, people, uh, technology companies. Uh, we've got uh, quite a few things going on with it right now. Um, and mostly it's just we're researching that area, that whole area we had the encounter. They've had, uh, as long as people have been there, they've, there's, there's literally stories for hundreds of years of people seeing things in those same area. Whoa, whoa, this gets even more interesting. Now, you probably know if you've read anything about UFOs, there are stories about so-called window areas that appear to attract strange events. And certainly you're, you're mentioning one right here. Go on, please. Yeah, so, uh, you know, due to the overwhelming information that we're finding out that this, this whole area is a hotspot, 
Um, and then Kevin somehow he come up with the idea that, you know, maybe it has something to do with whale migrations that they were there. And because he correlated the fact that these things were just doing kind of like a drift due south. And he's trying to figure out why it would do that. And if it was monitoring, you know, marine life, it could explain exactly why they were drifting like that. And if it or, if, you know, so like I said, we're trying to explore all possibilities of why these things were there, what they were, who they were, how they worked. And, you know, some guys have some ideas and other guys have other ideas. So we're just going to we're going to flush everything out until we find something. Can you go over some of the ideas that are being mentioned with regard to what happened? Um, so Kevin uh, has has an, an idea that maybe that if they were some type of research vessels and they were, might have been trying to track marine life. Um, then we've got some other people that think that, you know, they were advanced technology, you know, some type of skunk work type thing, um, or black op, you know, black, uh, black op type, of or black project or something like that. Um, and then we've got, uh, other people that just want to prove their technology and are willing to, you know, come out and put their cutting edge technology on the line to help us uh, find something out there. Now, I'm wondering here if it was something that was ours, wherever it is, wouldn't you all have been treated differently? Or is it better to have it out there to divert attention for what might be going on? Well, you start getting into some pretty deep questions there that we probably could <laughs> talk about for hours. Let's uh, have uh, a little fun with that then. All right. Um, well, I, you know, say say if it was uh, our technology, and uh, you know, uh, assuming that you know we developed it ourselves, then that would mean one hundred percent that we've had some type of uh, uh, cartel on technology. I mean, because there's no possible way for them to be that advanced without you know not carteling technology. In my opinion, the only reason they would be doing that was would be for monetary gain uh you know there's got to be something uh pulling the strings at that point then you start getting into some you know pretty diabolical plot lines <laughs> well that all seems to make a certain amount of sense though and we've entertained the idea that it is a type of uh black project or secret project and it's, these types of projects are have been known to Go on in the military for if i mean all we have to do is think of the development of the sr-71 uh and the u-2 spy plane and i mean those that's old tech now but uh i mean we can continue all the way up to the uh to the the more modern aircraft that are out there and people don't didn't know that these that this, that technology even existed. If we go back to the 50s, there was the skyhook balloons that were up there. And there were different parts of the military that didn't know that that technology existed at all. So it, it is conceivable that what we're dealing with is some sort of technology that you guys just didn't know about that was being tested during your training mission just to see how well it worked. Yeah, and and I agree. It, it definitely could be our tech, and you know, and then it could definitely have just you know, with the uh, Vanderbilts and the uh, you know the very uh, the big you know the the high uh, 
the high dollar guys back in the day could have literally just started a you know the a cartel on monetizing this type of technology um that's very plausible. Um, I'm going to ask you a logical question that flows from that in our next segment. And by the way, we have some great branded logo merchandise for the Paracast. Go to the Paracast.shop, the Paracast.shop to check it out. And we're going to have a 15% discount there we're using the keyword UFO at checkout. More to come with Gene, Randall, and Gary. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Speaker Nancy Pelosi plans to send two articles of impeachment to the Senate next week. In a letter to House colleagues, Pelosi says she's instructed Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler to prepare a resolution to appoint House managers for the Senate impeachment trial. When it comes to a lengthy impeachment trial in the Senate, Susan Crabtree with Real Clear Politics reminds everyone. Timing is really uh, concerning for both Republicans and Democrats, a little bit more burdensome for Democrats. She has said that she can walk and chew gum at the same time, but she has several Democratic senators running for president, as you know, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, Bernie Sanders, and they're in the fight of their lives. President Trump says he's closely following the protests in Iran. The president tweeted his support to the long-suffering people of Iran on Saturday. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800 280 Call right now. That number again is 800-280-2144. 
If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, when you talk about some other authority or whatever having this technology, have you ever heard about the so-called legends of secret space programs? Uh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard of that. I haven't really seen much proof of it, actual proof, but I mean, you know, this could be it. Yeah, this could be the proof of something of that nature. One of the ideas that we've entertained here as to what this might be is that we're not dealing with actual craft in terms of a material object, that we're, but we're dealing with a combination of radar spoofing and holographic projections. There is technology out there that can do both. So all you need to do is put it together. And if you've got on enough tech behind you, like the black budgets that go into the military, it seems like it would solve a lot of the problems. Things like sonic booms. I mean, your holograph isn't going to leave a sonic boom. It's going to be visible. Radar spoofing can... Uh, cause tracks to appear on your systems that aren't there that can cause them to move you being an expert in this i mean this is just stuff i'm reading online as a civilian so i am assuming that you probably have a lot more knowledge about that than i do how reasonable is it to say that this is something that could have gone on i mean you were talking about that these systems are connected they're remotely uh, able to communicate with each other? I mean, how do we know that they weren't actually even inserted into your guys' systems as part of a covert test of some sort of countermeasures? Um, and these are actually all great questions that I actually asked myself, too. And I went through them individually and saw, you know, you know, okay, if, if it was a holographic technology with radar spoofing, well, then that could definitely attain... That could trick our, our radars. But then I run into the fact that the pilots physically saw them. You know, they were, you know, they physically, physically had, you know, see them with their two eyes and they were actually there. That's, that's the only thing that kind of trips me up about that. And, and a holographic projection, even with the most current technology today, at least that I could find, really doesn't even come close to what these guys were able to see. Uh, 
And a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now was only developed after this. Yeah, and of course, we, we could be talking about unknown tech that they developed years and years ago, but they're not going to let release into the market. But it's hard for me to believe that, you know, too much stuff could be held back without somebody finding out about it. Oh, yeah. Eventually, people are going to find out about it. But sort of what, it's just sort of a rule of thumb that I tend to take when it comes to evaluating UFO sighting reports is that if it's something that we could make happen ourselves or appear to happen ourselves, then it's more likely to be something that we ourselves are responsible for than it is uh, aliens from another planet. Oh, and I, I definitely agree, which is why, if you know, I, I lean more towards uh, a nuts and bolts aspect of it rather than aliens. You'll find I'm even hesitant to. Kind of, I mean, I'll, I'll 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 rap about it if somebody wants to say, well, if it is, well, what would you think then? And then then, yeah, of course, I've thought about it, but it's not what I think is going to be. I find that the most real answers are benign, and then. Usually, if it is something strange, that the uh, the truth is usually stranger than you even wanted to know. Because really, those are our only two reasonable hypotheses at this point. I mean, either it was some kind of alien technology or it was our technology. There, there's no in-between there. Um, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, because if you say alien, you mean, you know, not from our Earth. Uh, one 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 possible thought I had was the the fact the way that our Earth works with our plate tectonics, you know the Earth's been here for a very long time and we've only been here a very short time on this planet. We've with how the crust renews itself on a regular basis, it overlaps and moves, and you know it, after so many millennia, the the surface of the Earth is not the same, and. You know, what happens if there was an advanced civilization that had developed prior to us? You know, we could just be seeing the remnants of that technology, you know. Right. Yeah. I want, yeah. I guess I should explain myself there as a ufologist. When I say alien, I mean something that's from beyond the boundaries and constructs of our known civilization. So I don't necessarily mean uh, interstellar or interplanetary or interdimensional or from another time, intertemporal or transdimensional or something like that. It could be, (laughs) it could, what, you know, there's a whole range of other theories and ideas that are out there that some are more reasonable than others. But yeah, I mean, it it could be that it's something from Earth. But if it's coming from someplace that we don't know, that isn't part of our civilization, it's still alien to us. It's sort of like, I go along with kind of the idea of what biologists uh, call alien as an alien species is a species that comes from outside the environment in which it is found. I wanted to drop something also in there, which is the other part of the UFO question, which is controversial. People who claim to have met up with ET, some kind of higher being, or maybe, or maybe we're abducted by aliens. Have you guys ever looked into those things? Well, I know uh, personally, I 
keep it with a uh, keep it with a grain of salt because I've never had a personal experience with it. Um, I don't discount them, and I don't, uh, you know, I, I stay as a skeptical believer of everything. But uh, I know other people in the group, you know, definitely count that more and have researched it a lot more than I have. It seems to me that the idea of that we might be dealing with our own technology fits in with some of the details of the case. Uh, for example, one of the things that we haven't covered is that uh, while these pilots were attempting to intercept the objects, at one point they the objects uh, jumped back to a position where the aircraft. Uh, we're supposed to be going like a designated location of some kind. I know that yeah, there's a technical you're talking about term. when it, you're talking about when it moves to the cap point. Yeah, the cap point exactly. Cap point and being basically just a designated area for everybody to regroup should something happen. Right, and so the the inference there was that somehow these objects knew that. And so if if we go out on a limb, we could say, well, you know, what were they doing? Were they aliens that are reading our mind? Or if we think, well, maybe this is part of a covert. Uh, part of your own training exercises, well, then those people would know where that is. They could set this uh, system to go there and know exactly where it is. There's, it removes the entire mystery from it. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that assessment. I, I figure there's only really three possibilities at that point: is either a they had an they had a advanced enough technology to where it doesn't really matter whether we encrypt something, so they could just find out exactly just from our own transmissions. Um, B they were psychic, or C they already knew because it was us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And this is you know I keep and, and I, I know I don't want to. I'm sounding like I'm deflating and being a skeptic here, but we have to do that if we're going to have any credibility. And so it's really important for us to be able to consider these things. And and similarly, we have sort of these mystery men that showed up. Well, it sounds like they had foreknowledge of all of this as well, because that would explain why they knew about it, came, came aboard grabbed all of this information that they could because it's all part of what they need in order to be able to evaluate what was going on during this training exercise. We've got more to come. Final segment with Gene Randall and Gary. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what Dr. Joe has to say. As you know, I'm one of the doctors um, that uh, Don talks about because four years ago, I was diagnosed with high high blood pressure. Runs in my family on my mother's side. You know, I come from an athletic background. You know, I did a lot of running throughout my life and I did triathlons. When I was trying to run some years back, I was getting short of breath, which is a little bit of a congestive heart failure. The Extendivite, that shortness of breath and that coughing started going away. I was able to run longer and longer distances. And I took a while, though. So now I'm able to do, you know, three and a half miles with my dog. And no problem. I don't stop. Not anymore. So I'm just saying you need to stick with the program. And you've got to change some lifestyle things, too. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers, from a leading financial firm on maximizing your income in retirement. That's right, free. This free book reveals little-known truths about annuities in simple-to-understand terms that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. And it's free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, summarizing the rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. That's right, annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling today. 800-932-1789. 800-932-1789. That's 800-932-1789. Producers have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Increased income is possible using strategies suited to your goals and may require buying multiple annuities and holding them full term. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Thank you. 
Before this final segment of this week's edition of the Paracast, and I kind of feel with Gary Voorhees, we've only scratched the surface. We're going to talk to him maybe about coming back for after the Paracast, but Randall is discussing possibilities with him as to what UFOs might be. Go ahead, Randall. Yeah, we left off talking about if it was some sort of a covert countermeasures test that it explains a number of these curiosities, actually just about all of them, if you if you plug it in. Yeah, and uh, I definitely agree with you about that. I've always been pro-skeptic. Throw whatever questions you got at me. If I got the answers, I'll tell you. If I don't, let's go down that road. Let's talk about it. You know, I try to stay very active on Twitter. Uh, I got a lot of people that are, you know, known skeptics that just pick my brain literally all day long. Your analysis of it actually is one of my hypotheses. But you also have to remember that we were tracking these things for a long time before we did the interrogation. So there very well could have been everybody's completely briefed on this whole thing. And they were literally just waiting for the end of the interrogation to come and get everything. It is a very curious and interesting story, regardless even if we assume that this is some sort of countermeasures that uh, our people have, it is quite amazing in and of itself. I mean, if well, I mean, to- it, denote, it denotes that if, if we do have this technology and this is us, that we are the literal dominant force on the entire planet. <laughs> I wanted to bring up something because it creates a logical connection. There's a fellow named James Carrion who used to work with MUFON. I'm sure you've heard with that organization. He was the director for a time. And he wrote two books, one of which I haven't even seen. The first is called The Rosetta Deception. The second, The Roswell Deception. And the Rosetta about the ghost rockets and such during World War II. And that it's something we staged to spook the Russians. And then maybe Roswell is the same thing. So if that is true, obviously one of the countries we have the most troubles with outside the Middle East is Russia. And I always wonder what they see, what they think. And if they felt or were led to believe this is advanced technology and it's ours, they'd be awful careful about the tricks they pull. What do you think? I definitely agree with that assessment. I mean, it's 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 been proven that pretty much every research program they did during the Cold War, they they exaggerated the results. I mean, look what they did uh, for the whole uh, remote viewing program. You know, I mean, they literally made Russia think that we could just look in on them at any time. And it just really wasn't true. Although there'd be probably plenty of uh, remote viewers who would disagree with that. Uh, I'm pretty skeptical about the whole program as well. And still some interesting results, though. From everything, because that's something I just recently started to look into. And there's been some interesting things that kind of piqued my interest. But then there's a lot of stuff about it I just kind of dismiss. There is so much here that we still haven't gotten through. But uh, one of the questions I want to ask you is that uh, we found out about this footage that we see. I think that was Luis Elizondo that uh, brought it to everyone's attention. According to a 2019 article by M.J. Benias in uh, Motherboard, he says that Lewis had originally signed on with UAP expeditions, but then backed out. Why? Other than talking to him on the phone when we did the the History Channel issue, I I really wouldn't know. Um, I don't know him well enough to, well, I mean, I really don't know him. (laughs) So 
I wouldn't have a clue to how to answer that. But I mean, as vice president, I mean, didn't he give you guys a reason? If he'd signed uh, on, I mean, you'd well, think he, he would have yeah, said, well, he you signed know, on. You gotta remember, we're two different organizations. He never signed on to ours. Oh, well, okay. Because are you are with UAP Expeditions, right? Yeah, I'm the vice president at UAP Expeditions. Okay, but we're so, not we're not the same as as the uh, to the Stars Academy. No, but according to this article, Elizondo had actually signed on with you guys, but then backed out. Unless um, I'm reading it wrong, I could you know it could be just misinformation. See, I, I haven't heard that unless Kevin had been talking to him. Um, it's a possibility that Kevin could have talked to him because a lot of times I'll I'll hear kind of after the fact that something happens sometimes. Right. <laughs> and, so. and, okay, and Kevin, what we're talking about here, or who we're talking about here, is Kevin. Is it Knuth or Knuth? Uh, either Kevin Knuth or Kevin Day. Oh, okay. If, uh, if Kevin Knuth had talked to them, I probably would have known pretty quickly. Um, it, it would be Kevin Day. Kevin Day does a lot right. of stuff where he talks to a lot of people and he's got a lot of his, he's got a really large circle that he talks to. Okay. So, and he would and, definitely have talked to Lou since Lou's the one that directly interviewed him. Okay. And, and Kevin Day is of course your guys' president. Uh, that is great. Okay, and you're the vice president, and the Kevin Knuth, who as I was talking about, he's one of the scientists that you guys have got on board. Uh, sounds like he's got some pretty impressive credentials there. Former scientist yeah, with NASA's Ames <laughs> Research Center. Uh, you know. Yeah, we're very happy to have him. You know, him, him and, uh, you know, like uh, Deep Facade and, uh, you know, some of these guys uh, really amaze me at how smart they are. And, you know, it's like uh, I really love picking their brains. Are you working with any ufologists? Because one of the things we tend to be, say, critical of, especially when it comes to things like To the Stars Academy, is that they haven't really done a lot of their ufology homework. So they don't know a lot about the history. They kind of know just what's gone on in in the last few years and read some books and then uh, managed to get themselves in into the spotlight. But uh, they've made some real blunders along the way just because they're not aware of the history of ufology. So, for example, there's a ufologist, Preston Dennett, who has been studying UFOs up and down the coast of California for years. This guy is an expert on what goes on there. And so he's, he's you're basically looking at all the same area that he's been studying for years. Uh, how about working with someone like that? Um, definitely a possibility. I know we, uh, between Dave Beatty and Dave Altman, um, those guys do a massive amounts of research about these things and are, are constantly calling people on the ground, calling people, you know, so it's very, it's very plausible that they've already contacted these people. And if not, hopefully when they hear this, they, they can get in contact with us, gentlemen. If they want more information about your organization, where can they check you out? All right. Uh, you can find out about UAP expeditions on Facebook and on Twitter. And of course, uh, we most of us, uh, especially me and PJ, if you're on Twitter or Facebook with any questions, just Gary Voorhees on Facebook and at Gary Voorhees on Twitter. You can just ask us directly. So where are you going from here? What's your next pursuit? 
our next pursuit is to actually physically go out on an expedition in and down around San Clemente Island to do actual scientific research on the whole area. Everything from uh, environmentals to sea life to atmospheric conditions, just to try to figure out why this place is such a hot spot and see if we can't make contact. That's the start of another thousand questions for us, Gary. Let me tell our listeners here, if you want to know more about where to find us on Twitter, we have the Paracast, and I keep my 244 character posts to a minimum. You can check it out there. We're on Facebook also. There are two locations for the Paracast on Facebook. One is a community, one's a group. And maybe Gary being possibly an expert on Facebook can tell me what the difference is and if we can merge it. We also have branded merchandise, four different logos, T-shirts, mouse pads, all sorts of things, blankets, uh, fascinating stuff. Go to the Paracast.shop to learn more. And we also have the Paracast Plus. And we offer the After the Paracast podcast where we continue Interview sometimes. We also feature William Puckett, our special correspondent with the latest UFO cases. And we give you a version of this show free of the network ads. And we give it to you at a higher bit rate because it's copied right off the original recording. Whereas the version that's free is copied, of course, from our network. Go to theparacast.plus for more info. That's theparacast.plus. Gary Voorhees, just the beginning, I hope. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Uh, I uh, look forward to maybe speaking with you again if we ever can get a chance. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>